0: All right, friends, it is good to see you. Um, Let me go over here a little bit, so I'm in the middle. Um, Again, my name is Drew. I'm happy to be here with you. Oh, I have one thing I'm very excited about, uh, because we can hang out at something together, which is thrilling. Uh, We're going to have our first kind of church picnic. It's a bring-your-own picnic. Um, But we're going to have our first picnic that also is connected to this room that we're in. So, the room you're in is the newly renovated, beautiful uh, PAC, Performing Arts Center, here at Columbia Heights. And uh, in a few weeks, they're going to be doing a performance of the Wizard of Oz right here where I'm standing, which is exciting, um, which means we can't be here on Sunday so because uh, we aren't prepared to be in the Wizard of Oz. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, and that will kind of be an annual thing. There's gonna be moments throughout the year that we won't be able to use the building. Um, and instead of being bummed about that, we see it as this great opportunity to take a week off and do something different, worship differently, uh, really maybe lean into our the community that we have and connecting to each other. And so we're thinking about uh, at the end of May, every year, there'll be some kind of musical or performance here. And so we're gonna, hopefully, this will be our first annual uh, Bring Your Own Picnic, and maybe next year it'll just be a plain old picnic. Uh, We're going to take time, so we're going to meet on the 23rd of May in just a few weeks at Kordiak Park, which is just on the road, about a block down the road, the Anoka County Park, um, where we are going to take a little bit of time at 1030 to pray together uh, for our church and our city and the world a little bit of interactive prayer at the park, um, and then we're just going to spend time together. And so we encourage you to bring uh, your own picnic food. We will have hot grills that you can bring grillables. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, but I like it. So you can bring grillables, bring your own things if you want to use those hot grills to cook food, Um, and we can just share time together at the park. There's a playground and a walking path. It's beautiful. So we're going to hopefully be able to meet there. We'd love for you to um, come that morning. There will not be a church service that morning. Uh, that will be our opportunities to work, to um, pray together and and hang out. So cool. That's the bring your own picnic. I can't wait. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about this. We are in a series uh, in the book of Hebrews uh, that's kind of coming to an end. We're ending it this month and we're getting into, uh, we've, we've heard a lot about how great Jesus is and that he is greater than, than all things. And uh, it's starting to turn where it's now kind of given us even a direction and what to think and how that should play out. So what if we know that's true, then how should that play out in our lives? That's kind of our core belief or foundation, how should that act out. Um, and today we are um, talking about uh, faith. And so at the, end, at the end of Hebrews 10, we're starting 11 today, uh, the author makes this statement, which I've been really encouraged by the last few weeks. He says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And so he's, he's identifying us. He's not saying, hey, which group do you want to be? And he's saying, hey, has As people, as Jesus people, we are people who don't shrink back and get destroyed. We are people who have faith in Christ and his work. And because of that, we are saved. And so we're talking about this thing called faith today. If you go Google the word faith, you might, I might have gotten the largest Google search I've ever done in my life by Googling faith, Bible faith, right? Just like, oh, what are people talking about? That's a big word, right? We hear that word all over the place. We, that word is attached to any kind of community that might be religious or spiritual. There's a faith community, a faith thing. And often in my own life, it kind of has had this feel. I found this online when searching for posters about faith. You ready for this? Wow. Ready for this? This is just a, like a, a transparent Jesus in the clouds with papyrus, of course, that says, keep the faith. <laughs> you could buy this poster somewhere and put it up in your house and it would maybe make you feel good. I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of, this poster, seeing this, instantly reminded me of this poster. Anyone have this one? The classic, the hang in there cat poster. I think faith can have this feel, this kind of ethereal, like, uh, it, I hope I'm, it, all, it, all emotional, and just like, oh, kind of like it feels good, I hope. I hope things are going to be okay. Your friend's having a rough week, and you're like, hey, hang in there. Remember the cat? Hang in there. Like, keep, keep the faith. It's kind of a, a nebulous kind of out there. It's like cloud, clouds and, you know, like transparent Jesus' kind of feel to it. And I think, I think this passage today is going to encourage us to really consider faith as being not just a, a thing that kind of feels good or maybe a, a sort of hope, like a I hope. I kind of hope, I have faith that I kind of hope this gets better. Let's kind of hope, or at least let's tell people like, have faith, it's maybe going to be better. And, and that our faith is more a, a real concrete thing, a real kind of muscle we can develop, a, a very intentional thing that really affects our day-to-day lives and, and really our eternities. And so we're going to look at a moment where Jesus talks about faith. Uh, that is, It's one of my favorite uh, moments in scripture because the, the reality of what's happening is is incredible. We're going to look here at Matthew 8. So if you have a Bible and you'd like to take notes or, or read yourself, we'll be in Matthew 8 today and Hebrews 11. We're going to look at this moment. I think you might remember this one. It's a classic coloring page moment in Sunday school. It says, then, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed. Him. This is right after Jesus had been teaching people um, and, and ultimately like, explaining how the world works, how, what the gospel actually means. He gets in a boat with his disciples they float out into the lake. And then it says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. So that the waves swept over the boat. You imagine this. You're, you're on a calm lake and then waves crashing over. The boat's rocking. One of them has to be getting sick somewhere, just percentage-wise of the people on the boat and, and seasickness. Then Jesus, but Jesus was sleeping. I love this picture of, of panic, waves crashing, and they're like, where's Jesus? And he's taking a nap on the boat. It's incredible. And the disciples went and they, and they woke him up, right? Like, what are you doing, Jesus? There's, there's waves. And they say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. This is exactly what I would be. I would love to say, I would just go like, the Lord's got us, guys. Don't worry about the waves. But I'd be freaking out. And I would run to Jesus and I would say, Jesus, are you gonna save us? We're gonna drown, the boat's gonna flip the waves are going to crash over us. And Jesus says to them, you have little faith. He refers to their faith. Why are you so afraid? In some translations, this phrase could be, where is your faith? So they wake him up. I don't know when Jesus wakes up, if he has that like five minutes where he's a little groggy, but like I do, probably not. Um, because he's God, maybe God doesn't, isn't groggy. So he wakes up and he says, Where's your faith? He doesn't say, like, tie down the ropes, change the sails. He doesn't say, it's going to be fine. He doesn't say, calm down, everybody. He says, where's your faith? Why are you afraid? I love that even connection to our faith is connected to our fear. Fear. And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. This is an incredible moment where waves are crashing, the boat is moving, it's gotta be dark, there's clouds, maybe lightning. It's chaotic, it's dark. And then Jesus just says, quiet! And then it's just still. I I mean, how critical. This moment, the power he holds, that, that creation stops when he says stop. But he asks this question of where is there faith? Which is the question that our author um, today is, is asking us and encouraging us to consider. This idea of faith as the storm rages on, where is your faith? This faith seems a lot more active, more concrete. For Jesus to say, hey, where's your faith? He doesn't say like, aren't you feeling faithful today? It, for me, it often can feel like something that only bubbles up, only like I'm only just feeling it sometimes. And I'm like, it's not feeling faithful today. It seems to be this almost active, almost a muscle I can work, a thing I can actually actively engage. I can actually think about, connect to my heart and my head. It reminds me of um, uh, in marriage and early when I was married. Uh, I had a friend. I, the first time I ever met him, he came up to we met and he said, "Hey." are you married? And I said, yeah, we're talking. And he found out I was married. And he says, uh, you're loving your wife well, right? <laughs> I was like, I just met you. Uh, he said, you got to love her. Even when you don't want to, you got to love her. I was like, yeah, okay. And then later, right, I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's times I just don't feel like, I'm just not feeling it. She's like, I'm having a, I'm having a rough day. I'm feeling sad. And I'm like, cool, Sorry. <laughs> I don't feel like loving you right now, right? But no, I would, that's, that'd be really bad, right? And so in, in that moment, I say, I don't maybe feel like it right now. I'm also having a bad day, but I can, I can still like access this love I have for you. I think there's something about our faith that's active. There's a pursuit of it. And the author here is gonna give us a picture, I think, of what that faith looks like and why that faith is so, um, so important. So here's Hebrews 11, the beginning. So he just said, hey, we're not people who shrink back and are destroyed, we're people who have faith and in that faith we are saved. And so then he says, now, faith, what is faith? It's a confidence in what we hope for. It's a confidence we have, a certainty of something that we're hoping for and an assurance about what we do not see, almost a a confidence in what is, in in reality. In Hebrews, we've heard this phrase a lot, in the reality of Jesus. There's almost a greater, truer reality of Jesus and God's presence. And so confidence in this thing that we can see for that God will come and he will make things right, that you know what? Hang in there. It is going to be okay but also this assurance of this reality of who God is now. And actually, I would say even, even, back, even looking back to who God has been and who he is now, it's this who he is now and this forward-looking. And he says, this is what the ancients were commended for. He's talking about all of our, our family, all of our spiritual family, God's family. By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command. Remember that like th- this was all created by our creator so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So there, there's this, this uh, foundational reality. And I just was reading um, recently an article by Tim Keller. He recently was uh, diagnosed with cancer and he's sharing what it looks like for him. Um, Tim Keller's a, a pastor and a theologian, someone who inspires me and that I uh, respect. And uh, he says, uh, someone who I would say, he gets diagnosed with cancer and his first thought is like, Jesus, you're good. And he says, no, it, rocks, it rocked me because now death is real and I have to really decide what, what my faith is and where it lands. He, he wrote this article about it and he says this phrase, I think in suffering, we often get to give it a, a little assessment of our faith. Um, he's, and he says um, um, this, but as death, the last enemy became real to my heart, I realized that my beliefs would have to become just as real to my heart. As death becomes very real, my beliefs would have to become real or I wouldn't be able to get through the day. Theoretical ideas about God's love and the future resurrection had to become life-gripping truths or be discarded as useless. You feel know how intentional this is? I, he, has to, he has to know that this story of God's creation and the fall and things becoming broken and Jesus rescuing us, making things right, that in the end, all will be right. We'll be together as a family. That has to be a life-gripping truth or it needs to be discarded. This faith is this real thing. And we've been hearing in Hebrews, not is it just, where is your faith, but that the faith is our foundation of how we view our world. The author of Hebrews um, goes on then to say, as he said here, I commend the ancients. He says, don't you remember? This is, this is what we remember about everyone. What has inspired us through the ages by our family and the faith is not what they did, but the faith and the person they had their faith in, which might actually be a little confusing to them. I think it'd be, it's confusing to me a little bit of, He's saying, remember when you think back to Noah and David and Moses, remember how strong their faith was? That they actually believed that their faith, say their faith in Jesus saved them, not their own works? They're like what? And then he says, no, remember the stories? It, it's as if he opens um, the Old Testament up and he says, no, remember all these stories? And then he sits us down. It's almost like we get to sit down uh, in, in the living room with a, with a family member. And he says, oh, remember the stories of, of Noah and Moses? Here, let, let's, let's go through them again so you don't forget. Those are stories of faithful people who didn't have it together and God did extraordinary things. And, and who their faith in is what we should look to and not just what they did. And so he goes on, To tell us the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 is just him retelling our family history. And so I wanna do that right now. Just gonna take a few minutes, just sit back and just remember uh, as if I'm just like an old bearded wise uncle who's telling reminding us of all of the faithful people in our family. Hey, remember Abel? By an act of faith, Abel brought better sacrifice to God than Cain. Remember, it was what he believed and not what he brought that made the difference. Do you know what he believed and not what he brought or did that made all the difference? That's what God noticed and approved as righteous, what he believed, where his faith was. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. Remember Enoch? By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. What? Yeah, they looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. So it must have been his faith. Remember Noah? Remember how we always, he's like the best one to color in coloring books because you get all the animals. Remember him? By faith, he built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and he acted on that. The result, his family was saved. His faith then saved him. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of unbelieving and the rightness of believing in God. As a result, Noah became very close to God. Oh, remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. (laughs) I am one of them. By an act of faith, Abraham, it's in someone's head now, I'm sorry. It's It's in there. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place. That would become his home. Then he left. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. But by an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him. Lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city of real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. Oh, remember Sarah? By faith, barren Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed in the one who made a promise of what he said. That's how it happened that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there is now people numbering in the millions. There's a, there's a verse to put on your wall. From one man's dead and shriveled loins came millions. Each of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but they believed in what was promised. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting and accepted the fact that there were transients in this world. People who lived this way make it plain that they're looking for the true home. If they they were homesick for the old country, and if they were, they would have gone back. But they were looking to a far off country a heavenly country. You can see why God is so proud of them. And he has his city waiting for them. This is our family. Remember Abraham? And by faith, remember when he was tested, we offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been received to him. And this, after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. It was his faith. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back, alive from the altar. He was saved by his faith. In an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob, on his deathbed, blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, but God's, as he bowed worshipfully on his staff. By an act of faith, Joseph while dying, prophesied the exodus of Egypt and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. Now remember Moses? Oh, classic Moses. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, he refused the privileges of Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life. With God's people, rather than an opportunistic soft life of sin with his oppressors, he valued suffering in Jesus's camp far greater than the wealth of an Egyptian life. Isn't that incredible! Looking to the payoff, by an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eyes on the one, the one he could see. And he kept on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry land. The Egyptians tried it and they drowned. By an act of faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for several days and the walls fell by an act of God. By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came trusting in God. This is our family. I think I often remember coloring my David and Goliath coloring page in Sunday school and then leaving remembering, I gotta be strong like David. Drew, go and be strong like David. You're gonna face your giants and you gotta be strong like David. And the author of Hebrews today is saying, Drew, Put faith in the one who defeated the giant. Put faith in the one who opened the Red Sea. Put faith in the one who did all these things. He's the one who saves us. Our, our, we don't save ourselves. He is the one who saves us. Now the author, author actually goes on. I think if we're not careful, we might remember all these stories being pretty incredible. Okay, so I put my faith in God. I put my faith in Christ who does the work. And then I'm gonna get to pass through hard things. And then I'm gonna get... To be wealthier. Then I'm going to get to be in this story that ends with me being in charge of lots of things. Well, the author actually talks about a group of people now who uh, things don't end so well. I could go on and on, he says, run on and on. There are so many more. Remember Gideon or Barak or Samson, David, Samuel the prophet? Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, they made justice work, they took those promises. They were protected from lions, from fires, from swords. They turned disadvantage to advantage. They won battles. They routed enemies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. You're like, yeah, I'm in, right? I'm in. Let's do it. Let's charge. He says, oh, and then remember those who were tortured, who refused to give in? Remember those who preferred something better that we call resurrection? Remember those who were abused and whipped Remember those that were in chains and dungeons? Remember the stories of those in our family who were stoned, who were sawed in half, who were murdered in cold blood? Stories of those wandering the earth, homeless, friendless, and powerless. Here's how he describes them. The world didn't deserve them. They made their way the best they could on the cruel edges of the world, believing in the one who was to come. Not one of these people, even through their lives of faith, were exemplary. They got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for them. Even, the, even whoever got sought in half, I don't know who that was, whoever got sought in half, there was a better plan that they believed in. A better plan. And so this is what our author, I think, wants us to to land here uh, as as we wrap up this whole long chapter. He says, remember that faith in Jesus's work is what saves us. And our faith that is looking far beyond to this Jesus who will make things right. This isn't the end. And so we can be people who put faith in Jesus and maybe great things happen. Maybe we do hang in there. But we also might be people who feel like we're getting sawed in half. People are going to be hurt and live a life of hurt. But knowing that one day things will be good. And so this is how Hebrews 11 ends. These were all commended by their faith. Just makes that enormous list that we just went through. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Incredible to think that Noah didn't, wasn't, didn't know what we know about Jesus since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This, this family of the faithful comes together. Jesus dies on a cross and rises, defeating death and sin for us. And now together, church, together we get to move forward to a day when he is king in a city that we have been promised. What a what, what good... Good news. And so this storm rages on um, during a time of like COVID. And I think we all maybe could think of a person and maybe it's ourselves right now that feels like waves are crashing. The boat is rocking. It's dark. I don't even know what direction the shore is. I don't even know which way I would go to rescue myself. I'm gonna drown. I have an opportunity to put faith in, in a little bit. What does that look like? Well, this passage um, ends, I think, with how we can direct ourselves, what faith might look like in action. So Jesus replies, you have little faith. Where's your faith? He gets up, he says, quiet, the storms stop, and then here's their reaction, right? They go from, we're gonna drown, Jesus, what are you doing? He says, quiet, they were amazed. And then they said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of person is this? who would die on a cross, be tortured, and then would rise from the dead. We get to look to him and what he has done and put our faith in that work. As they did in that moment, they, they got to go from that moment of, of a, a low amount of, of faith to holy cow, God, you are good. So we get to continue to turn ourselves back to a God. This happens to me um, often by people who are on me. Maybe some of you shared this uh, about people who uh, inspire you. Um, someone who inspires me is an is a old friend. This is uh, Amanda and Steve Eisvik. Um, they've uh, been at Hope for a long time. They were part of the team that helped launch our church. Um, they've been in a small group with our family uh, for a while. We just love them dearly. And Amanda recently especially has been very inspirational to me. And uh, not, not just inspirational because um, uh, they're good friends and they're uh, good parents and they love people well and they're fun to hang out with. Um, her faith has inspired me. Her faith um, in Jesus has caused me, like reading through these, the stories of our, our, our ancient family in the church has inspired me to remember that my faith in Christ really changes all things. Um, Amanda recently was diagnosed uh, with cancer. Uh, We got the text, like we're, uh, I have cancer. And then she went in to get tested and found out it was a lot worse than she thought it was. And she decided to write a blog to just share this Um, and uh, sharing what it looks like uh, as Tim Keller, who I'm also inspired by, but I don't know Tim Keller. Like, I think he's probably a nice guy. Uh, but he's like, I'm almost worried ever if I ever got to meet him that he'd be like mean. It <laughs> would ruin everything. Uh, I like know her, right? I know her life. I've seen it play out. I see her faith and how it plays out. And so when she writes these words, it means so much. It it uh, encouraged me. And I wonder how much reading Hebrews 11, these uh, Jewish Christians that we think this was written to, I wonder how much reading that would like sink in more because they just grew up with these heroes. They're like really in their family. So I want to read as we as we close here. Uh, from our family here at Hope. This is Amanda's words as she is working through the reality of death and what the reality of her heart and where her faith is. She says, of course I'm sad and grappling with the news of these results. I have grandparents and great-grandparents who have made it to their 90s. So I always see myself as someone who's healthy and has good genes. I definitely thought I'd be around to see my kids grow up and start families of their own. Now I have no guarantees in the future or what time we'll have on this earth. I still may be there to see it all. I'm not dead yet. So I'm going to live each day to its fullest. I noticed that the grief and sadness of living with cancer has almost been a slingshot to incredible joy and thankfulness. Both the lows and highs are so intense. Just laughing with my family and soaking up my kids has never been sweeter. Even as I sit in my heated, vibrating recliner with the sun pouring on me as I receive chemo, I thought how lucky I am to have my life. I serve an amazing, loving, miraculous God who has blessed me with the best friends and family anyone could ask for. I do not feel alone or abandoned at this difficult time. I know God can work miracles and he could heal me, but that he also may not heal me Either way, friends, he is still good. All I can say is that this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did you hear that? Whether I die from this or I'm healed from this, God is still good. I think that's the faith the author here is is encouraging us with. Who's the one who saves us? For her to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It has inspired me. Can I wake up and say those words? Can I, can I work that faith, that muscle? Can I really move towards that and not just wait uh, for the day when it feels right, but to know that this, this is a reality that I can cling to and hope to? Uh, I'm gonna bring Colin up so we have an opportunity to, to, to worship our God. To exercise that faith, to say words that maybe we need to be reminded of today, of how good our God is. I have a couple of questions I want you to reflect on uh, as we move to this time of worship. I think maybe let's uh, consider the question that Jesus asks his disciples in the storm Where is your faith? Do you know that Jesus is saved? You? Do you know that the saving you're looking for comes in faith in Jesus for doing that work? Maybe what are your storms? It's good just to think. What are those things I feel crashing in on me? Where is my hope in the midst of those? And consider how how do I strengthen that faith? What strengthens your faith, or or even maybe more importantly, who strengthens your faith? Who can you look to to be reminded that Jesus is good? That that whether it bring, is death or life comes, that in the end Jesus saves and brings life. And who helps you say, "I will rejoice." and be glad in him. Let me pray and we get an opportunity to worship here together. Lord, you are, you are good. Whether we're being sawed in half or whether we're being, uh, gaining an award for, for uh, our success, you're good and you're the same good. Father, I pray that we would not be clawing after our work to rescue us but we would be putting our faith in you as storms crash over, we would be leaning into you that we would know the reality of right now that you are on your throne and we would know the reality of the one day when you have prepared this city, when you have built your city and we get to be in that city with you as family. Pray those things, those, those would be in the front of our minds as we move into each moment of our day. And as we sing, these words as we sing would be real. These are, these are reality. And we'd be singing these to remind ourselves and each other of that reality. We pray this in your son, Jesus, good, good name. Amen.